Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Live with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Good morning, all and sundry. How are we today? It's, Good, um, it's day one. Thanks yeah, for you well? Thanks for asking. Yep. Uh, you've got your peanuts again, or um, is it chips today? Or no, what, no, what's no. your little My snack? My peanuts, as I said to Skeet yesterday, I just like to nibble on them throughout the day because you know me, I tend to eat when I'm sitting here at like 11.30. Yeah. So I don't get too hungry, I just nibble away on the nuts. Yeah, just just grazing away. Just grazing, and I love a salted peanut. I thought you were going to say you love a sunburnt country, but you love a salted peanut. I love a, I love a salted peanut. I love a sunburnt country. A land country. of sweeping plains. I also love Australia. Like oh. A sunburnt country. And Ireland. Yes, not sunburnt. Which one do you love more? Welcome to Trot's Life oh, hey. on uh, <laughs> yeah, No, no, no. Deport that's, him now, I that's say. That's like asking me, um, that would be like asking me which one of my nieces is my favourite. I can't yep. give you that answer. Yeah, funnily enough, there normally is one. But um, uh, anyway, that's that's not a nice way to look at it. Right. Um, we're going to breeze again today. So uh, I'm hoping to get Jackie Law on the line for the second hour. Um, if he's not otherwise um, concentrating his efforts somewhere else. Um, after I couldn't have uh, I couldn't have been more praiseworthy of him in a in an article I wrote for the Herald Sun today. Well, I didn't write it today, but it was published today. Uh, Rod Lakey. We didn't update. How did Artie come through his first run since February on Saturday night at Tabcourt Park Melton? So we'll have a chat with him in the second hour. And um, Matty Leppard, of course, will be celebrating the big Collingwood one-point win. I don't have to worry about offending anybody today. There's no Carlton fans in my immediate vicinity, so I don't have to worry about it. Tom Bang's not here. Um, Skeeter's not here. Plenty of others aren't here. So we can talk about Collingwood and... I think Maddie will be uh, right up and about the big cat to give us some tips from right around the country as well. But to launch the show, a big old fat breezing with Bon. On Trot's Life, breezing with Bon. Hello again. Breezing with Bon. Right, strap yourselves in. <laughs> as remains standard with most, if not all of these Tuesday morning breezes, Context must precede content. And today's context is thus. Nobody, and I mean nobody, has been more passionate or committed to programming more staying races in Victoria. And when I say more, I mean significantly more. It's the only way they'll work. When properly engineered, long-trip contests remain harness racing's most intriguing, engaging, exciting events of all. They also showcase the strength stamina and durability of the standard bread. In many ways, they are our point of difference from a racing perspective, at least. Despite my zealotry and also the zealotry of many others, staying events still represent a meagerly minor portion 
of all races staged in my home state, and for that matter, the Eastern Seaboard in general. Most that follow the game with uh, with genuine interest will have some concept of why this shift to shorter racing has transpired. Chief among the reasons for reducing long trip contests is pressure from above. As usual, under the current broadcasting paradigm, wiggle room is infinitesimally small. If Harness Racing hopes to occupy Sky 1, the Red Channel, the Golden Goose, it must stage races as religiously and rapidly as possible. Certain so-called marketing gurus have also fortified this perspective over the years. In their own very often narrow view of the world, all sports, regardless of their histories or idiosyncrasies, must tighten their broadcasting belts. Still mesmerised by the fleeting, fading allure of 20-over cricket, They happily patronise or patronise younger generations by believing their attention spans are so compromised, anything with meaning or merit that carries on too long will simply overwhelm them. There's no way in the world this is true. Nevertheless, the world we have is the only arena of pragmatic action. We can't... Philosophising and theorising about what you do in a different world is, is, uh, is unhelpful. As a result, finally, here's the meat of today's typically turgid sermon. Knowing what we're stuck with and conceding it won't change, at least not in the short term, something occurred to me some years ago. If, and it's a big if, Victoria pursues the merit of their very own slot race, or if we deign to inaugurate a brand new feature of any kind, the conditions of said contest should be framed as follows. Tabcor Park, Melton, 1,720 metres, preferential draw. Sadly, as stated above, most Australian states have chosen, for all the reasons aforementioned, not to program staying races in the ways which are required. As a result, most of our long trip features are slightly less engaging than an episode of MAPS. And the boring nature of races like last year's Inter Dominion final are completely predictable. If half of the horses contesting Grand Circuit events over 2,500 metres or further, you've seen this with the Melbourne Cup even, have rarely, barely seen that trip in their racing careers. It's only understandable that certain fears loom. Why on God's green earth would we, should we, expect largely untried stayers to make multiple mid-race moves when they've largely, sometimes exclusively competed over short and middle journeys? It's insane. Even the weekly events we witness over 2,240 metres at Melton are often bereft of tactical tempo. Horses, generally, settle in their chosen roles, then hit top gear between, or somewhere between 400 metres and 800 metres from home. Sprint races, however, now they're different. With the huge American influence in Southern Hemisphere breeding, the slightly more fragile nature of postmodern standard breeds and the infinitely more conservative training methods employed today compared to yesteryear, short course contests have suddenly found their niche. When competing over trips less than two kilometres, 2,000 metres, Uh, Front row runners are far more likely to launch the gate and then keep the front. And second row runners are stripped of their right to balance, assess and patiently progress. Over the short, you see, every second counts and every decision matters. I raise this point today, even though I've cogitated on the subject for years, courtesy of Saturday night's My Lightning Blue free-for-all, which we'll discuss with Rod Lackey later. Even though he didn't win, few in their right mind could possibly suggest the champion pacer Lachlan Varat wasn't the best horse in that open class contest. Slightly more may refute the following, but most sensible humans would also agree that if the My Lightning Blue was programmed over 2,200 metres or further, Artie would have won. The keys to his defeat 
defeat above and beyond the fact he hadn't raced since February were twofold. One was his outside second line alley. The other was trying to beat a slippery leader over 1,720 metres. Some will say there's little need for another Australian sprint feature given the prestige and importance of Menangle's Miracle Mile. I don't agree. For starters, the Miracle Mile isn't preferentially drawn. It's also staged without a second row and hosted at a venue where you can't make a move, really. Once you settle in your rolls over the, over the 1,609 metres at Menangle, you can only really make a move once you hit the straight. So it's a very different situation. Um, Melton is far better suited to the concept outlined above. And for the record, this concept of a PBD feature over 1,720 at Group 1 level isn't about finding Australia's best horse. It's fundamentally founded on creating Australia's best race. Let's be clear. If Lock and Varart copy that or self-assured a hard fit and ready to roll over 2,200 metres or further, Torrid Saint, Bulletproof Boy, or even like a wildfire, likely can't go with them. Over 1,720 metres, with the three ladder runners drawn the front and the former trio drawn the back, anything can happen. Isn't that what we want? Everywhere I go, pundits from other codes tell me three reasons why they rarely or never bet on harness racing. One is based on the inaccurate yet pervasive perspective around integrity from days gone by. One is based on a much more accurate concern around the complexity of our form and the feeling they're well behind the eight ball compared to smart judges like Matty Leppard, who we'll talk to shortly. And the third, critically, is based on the often sleep-inducing nature of the product <coughs> under, um, under its current system. Now, I love the trots, but I know that a lot of people, compared to Fast and Frantic Greyhound Race or a... Um, a thoroughbred race where there's movement and colour and light and action, they don't get that they don't get sucked into the idea of watching and then betting on the trots. I've made it my life's work to demystify the form and educate punters on our product last eleven years spent on it. I've also made it clear to all those who would listen that harness racing's reputation as a game of cheats on seats lacks any serious merit and is both antiquated and naive. One thing I can't control is how our major races are staged and as a result how interesting and competitive they appear. Others can, and I hope they do. Queensland have funded several new features in recent years, and potentially we can too. If we're going to do it, however, make it what gallopers would call a short course handicap. Second tier standard breads don't win Hunter Cups these days. Drawn the front over the short with greater rivals chasing them all the way, everyone, or at least many more trainers, breeders, owners, drivers, and even punters get their chance to dream. There's the breeze for today. And uh, nicely done. If you want to comment on it, 0499736736. Quite often go with broad topics. This is very harness racing specific, but um, it's something that I thought of years ago. And watching on Saturday night, watching a horse like now, Torrid Saint's flying, but watching a horse like Torrid Saint be able to slip away from Lock and Varad, who's one of the great champions of the modern era, uh, really confirmed in my mind that short course racing with preferential draws involved is the way that you create the most exciting races of all, at least under the systems that we have right now, because we don't, as mentioned, right off the top, program enough staying races to give horses the experience of racing over 2,500 metres or further and giving them the feeling that they know that they can make a move or even multiple moves in a race over a distance of that nature. All right, time for a break. We'll come back and we'll be joined by the big cat, and we'll play good old Collingwood forever when we come back in. Matty Leopard to give us some tips right around the grounds.
Good old Collingwood forever. We can play it now because we know well, how to play. I have no, I have no, uh, I'd buy no some. battle. I, I'm not part of this. You fight, got no dog in the fight, is what you're trying to get to there. That you really want. Skeeter and Tomo aren't here. Skeeter and Tomo, Tomo aren't here, so. You can play and sing as loud as you want. Can I ask you a question before we get to the big cat and talk about um, talk about the tips? He's, he's, he obviously has taken a little bit of time to recover. There's only five uh, tips today compared to the normal around 10. But <clears throat> in terms of uh, right now downstairs at the moment, mm-hmm. Guy Pierce is with, uh, ah, yes. and he's known as, he's, he's a long Geelong boy. He's a massive Geelong cat man. man. Yep. Would you say he's one of the best known Australian, Australian actors Absolute, over the last abs- 20 or 25 years? Absolutely. I know who Guy Pearce is. Would you say almost everybody would know? Well, most Australians, if they watch enough mm. cinema, I would have thought they would know Guy Pearce. We're, it's interesting. I I'm, don't just, know. I'm just pulling up. There's been a few good good movies he's been in. You mentioned... Uh, um, Memento or Memento, LA Confidential. Yeah, yeah. LA Confidential, The Rover. The, there's heaps. Obviously, mm. Neighbours, his, his start. But yeah, he's full. Uh, he's fully Hollywood now. Matty, so. Le- Matty, Le- but big cat, you you would know who Guy Pearce is, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, he's, I'm just reading about him on on Wikipedia now. Actually. <laughs> he he, uh, he started on Neighbours, I think. Is that right? He was Mike yeah. on Neighbours. Uh, I remember yeah. he, he went out with Plain Jane Superbrain, who was played by. And he's something, and they were best friends with Kylie and, and Jason or, or Scott and Charlene. He was in Animal Kingdom, The King's Speech, which are two. Um, the King's two, Speech as well. Yep, The King's sounds Speech. He was. It sounds like he's got a pretty, sounds pretty very, stacked resume, sounds doesn't he? fairly famous, but Zoe uh, out the back there has never heard of him. Well, I wasn't going to mention the fact that Zoe hadn't heard of him there. but Never the, heard the, of him. The, 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 You've stepped in. <laughs> she comes in and she goes, the girls, the girls in the office are freaking out. I've got no idea who he is. <laughs> Zoe's been the cool kid in the corner just yeah. like, who? You don't worry me. Who? I don't even know who you are. Guy. He's only a Hollywood Guy, actor. whatever your name is. Mm. Uh, uh, before we get into the tips. The Hurt Locker. He was uh, in well. The Hurt Locker. Uh, before we get into the tips, Big Cat, very exciting on uh, on Sunday night. And I'm sure you would you would have been at the game. I think you were at the game. I think I saw you tweet about the atmosphere there. And uh, hopefully you didn't get involved in any of the fisticuffs afterwards. But what a feeling. Thanks, Jase. Yeah. Um, gee, it was an exciting... Um Exciting day. Um, they got a bigger crowd than Anzac Day. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time that Anzac Day was not the biggest home and away crowd of the year, but they got 88,000 compared to 84 on Anzac Day. And um, just the uh, the theatre of it all, given the ramifications of the outcome of the match for both teams, but particularly for Carlton, um, the drama of those that last five minutes where Collingwood essentially kicked uh, three or four goals, I think, in the last five, five minutes of playing time. And when Jamie Elliott kick that final goal. Um, I, I don't think in all the years I've been going to the G, I don't think I've ever experienced an atmosphere at the MCG quite like that moment when Jamie Elliott put that goal through to put Collingwood up with a minute to go. Um, so it was, uh, it was certainly a moment that uh, that I'll treasure, but it all means nothing now because uh, on to the final. I still mean something, but yes. It, no, no, well, certainly by getting that goal, it means that... Uh, we've got the double chance. Uh, it also mean, meant for Carlton that they would not be playing finals this year. But I tell you what, I think the Carlton-Collingwood rivalry, the old school one, the one that I grew up in where a bloke named, a mate I reckon of JD's, Wayne the Dominator Johnson, used to tear us apart on a regular basis. When I when I was growing up and knew the same, but he, Collingwood-Carlton was the biggest rivalry. In a weird way, I think it's it's waned a little bit over... 
over you know several years, particularly when Carlton were in the doldrums and and they were easy beats. It just didn't feel quite the same. But I reckon it got uh, it certainly got re live and re-engaged on Sunday night, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think there are a couple of reasons why um, the rivalry is probably not quite what it was. The first one is that it's been a long, long time since both teams have been a force at yeah. the same time. Um, like Collingwood have had some down patches over the last sort of 30 years as well, but Carlton haven't been in the finals very often over that period. So when you, when you know both teams aren't near the top of the tree like they were back through the 70s and 80s, then um, obviously the, the rivalry wanes a little bit. But furthermore, when Anzac Day started in 1995, um, all of a sudden that lifted Collingwood-Essendon to become the rivalry and therefore Carlton versus Collingwood rivalry sort of slipped a little bit to the wayside because all of a sudden Collingwood Essendon was the new big rivalry because of Anzac Day every year as well. So there's a couple of reasons there, but um, the way both teams are going at the moment, uh, they're both going to be sort of in that upper echelon for the next few years, I think. So, you know, it could be a a pretty fun few years for those who... um, Go to the Collingwood Carlton games at the G each time. I'm thinking the uh, the weird segue here as we go to the tips at Tabcorp Park, Melton uh, race four. Um, the blue colours or or predominantly blue colours will be worn by Gypsy Princess, who I think is a pretty nice horse. It's not the favourite, but it is three ten, and I've got a funny feeling it's the one you're going with. Am I right or wrong here, Big Cat? You are correct, Chase. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some handy fillies going around here for the three year old fillies and. And there's a couple here uh, that I think might go on to become Metropolitan Mayors down the track. Um, number one, leave your hat on. It led first up from a spell last time and, and couldn't run uh, out the trip up the mile, but it wouldn't surprise me if they wanted to hold the front again despite it being over the 22.40. So, therefore, I'm Princess Natalie. It was an impressive uh, winner last start first up for 13 months. I think it might be left to breeze. So, therefore, it really opens up the race as a bit of a sweeper's race. And I think the best of those sweepers might be number seven, Gypsy Princess, Jodie Quinlan and Craig Demler. Um, this uh, this filly, she's first up for about seven weeks, so I expect her to be probably driven cold. But what we find with Melton on these midweek meetings is that the track doesn't necessarily play leader-dominated like it does when the, when the Metropolitan horses are there on a weekend. So tonight's meeting, I expect there to be still some opportunities where sweepers can win, and I think this one might be one of them. So if you go back seven weeks, she won back-to-back races before having a freshen up um, at Cranbourne and Kilmore. I'm um, just hoping that uh, I'm Princess Natalie doesn't roll to the top because if she does, then she's obviously very, very hard to beat. But if she's caught in the breeze outside number one, leave your hat on, then uh, it brings Gypsy Princess right into it to run all over them late. So that's race four, number seven, Gypsy Princess. Race four, number seven, Gypsy Princess for Craig Demler and Jodie Quinlan, who, of course, combined with O Fortuna going back about uh, now 10 days ago or 11 days ago at Tabcourt Park. Mountain race nine. We're going to the last two races on the card now. Favourite is Seaside Sister. Bring the Flave. It's supposed to be something special, Bring the Flave. And a couple of others. In fact, it's a wide open market. Which have you seen this one, Big Cat? Um, Yeah, over the 1700, I think Seaside Sister looks really well suited here. Um, uh, she's a horse that I think, despite winning last time over the middle trip at Cranbourne, I think she's always been the sort of horse that goes much, much better over the sprint trip. So she has good gate speed. Drawing barrier one over the 1,700 around Melton, that's just perfect conditions for her. So she shouldn't have any issues holding the lead. She's got enough speed to do that. There's a little bit of speed out wider from Romney Brown, Ring the Slave, Twisted Bliss. But um, 
I think the horse that will probably be leaders back, which is Van Gogh, is well down on, on form. So, therefore, I'm happy for Seaside Sister to hold the front here over the short trip, knowing that the horse on its back is down on its best form. And, therefore, all of her dangers are going to have to come wide on the tra- off the track around her on the last lap to round her up. So, you can still get 280 out there, which I think is a, a terrific price. Um, that's race nine, number one, Seaside Sister. Hopefully, you can lead all the way over the short trip. Race nine, number one, Seaside Sister, and race 10 at Melton um, is the Villawood Properties Pace, over 2,240 metres. You're going another one of these uh, really nice and low-grade races. I find them very hard to work out. Some other judges love them. Who have you found in the last to get out stakes at Melton tonight? Please, Big Cat. Yeah, I generally don't like betting too much into these really low-grade um, races, but... There's a horse here. It's a it's a funny horse and quite inconsistent. Number four, good looking rooster. But mm. um, I've backed it here, and I think if you go on it to win two starts back at Shepparton, where it went like an absolute jumbo jet, if it can replicate that sort of performance, then it probably should be winning this. Uh, it's got gate speed. The the bit of a query is that it can get pulling quite hard, but I think that's worth the risk today uh, for Olivia Whedon back to run the gate and try and lead on it because I think the horses drawn to its inside would be happy to take the sit, knowing that it is a, a bit of a mad puller who just runs along. So if it can lead and not pull too hard, then I think it, it, it only has to replicate that Shepherd and win to, to go very close again. Um, it's been 370 and 290. Uh, I, I think it starts favourite purely because it looks the leader. Um, but as I said, it just comes down to whether it can, can not pull too hard and produce its best form, because it doesn't always produce it. So... That's race 10, number four, good-looking rooster. Race 10, number four, good-looking rooster. We'll come back with a couple of the other tips after the news, but uh, just a brief mention. I, I certainly – I've thought it for a few years, uh, Big Cat, but I was watching that My Lightning Blue free-for-all. Wouldn't mind your thoughts on a couple of them, actually, from Saturday night, but we might do that when we get back from the break. But I've, I've constantly thought that the, the best, most exciting uh, race you might have, not for the best horse, but the best race – would be that short course trip uh, with a preferential draw and a full second row, which is something different to what they have up at Menangle because really that was um, that was in many ways a very, very exci- exciting race on, on Saturday night. And the 2,240-metre week in, week out, or fortnight in, fortnight out free-for-alls quite often um, are just dominate at the top end or the good horses get their chance to get there. But the beautiful thing about mile racing, and I – I prefer long trip racing, but the beautiful thing about mile racing, in my opinion, is that there's just nowhere to hide and every every metre matters. Yeah, I, I heard what you said earlier when you were bringing this on. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, if you were to introduce a slot race or something similar at Melton and run it over the 17.20, the issue is that all of a sudden, the you know the, the horses that are drawn back row are pretty much out of play because Melton plays such leader biased when the good horses are there um, that it would be almost impossible for anything to come from the back row and go around the field and, and win. The difference with running a feature race such as the Miracle Mile over the mile at Menangle is every horse at Menangle is off the front row. So essentially, even if you're drawn wide, you still get a chance to put yourself on the front end if your gate speed's quick enough. So that's the, the difference between Menangle and the example we'd see where it'd be a 7-3 and three formation at Melton over the 1700 if they ran a big race there over the 1700. Um, so I think at Melton it would be not suitable to run a big race like that over the 1700 because half the field, 
are more or less out of place straight away. I I, I do see what you're saying. It's in a way what where you're coming from is partly the point. The same place as I'm coming from is that it would be extremely hard for the real big dogs to win. So we've already got the most prestigious races. I'm always more thinking of the idea of giving everyone an opportunity because if Lock and Varart turned up in the in the headspace that he was in when he won the four year old Bonanza. He could start. He could start a day after the others and probably still beat them. But um, it's an interesting point to raise programming. I do want more staying races, but I really enjoyed that race on Saturday night. We'll come back. A couple more tips from the big cat, and also we might discuss a couple of the the um, the major performances or the the champion or headline horse name performances from Saturday night. And find out what he thought of Lock and Varad, what he thought of Catch a Wave, and a couple of others. Stick with us. We'll be back in a moment. It's a Tuesday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Welcome back to Trots Life. Bonner's just had to duck out momentarily. He'll be back shortly. We will get back to Matty Leopard after our next break. Get some more tips off him as well. 0499 736 736. Join us throughout the day. Cam Luke's back. Campbell Brown will be here as well. And they've got winners galore. And we're at the bull today. Sammy Highland's got one running in race three. Police camp, the second favourite on the cards. Bonners is back now, so we won't go to that break I was going to go to. Right. Hello, Bob. Oh, very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm Lovely. Good. Uh, um, Maddie's still on the line. Uh, Maddie, uh, some thoughts on. I think. I think I would know what your thoughts are here. Just a little bit of extra music there at the end. Uh, Lock and Varad, first of all. Yeah, there was um, a bit of negativity around his performance on social media by certain people, but I thought uh, it was a more, more than a pass mark. First up, I think it was a very tactical drive by Jack Law to keep rolling. So. The four quarters were 28-6, 28-2, 27-6, and 28-4. So the two quickest quarters were the middle half, which is the, the patch where Lockenvarat made the move around. So therefore, Lockenvarat never really got a breather at all. He was working through a 55 middle half just to get up outside the leader. And he was still very strong through the line as well. And Torrid Saint was sort of out on his feet the last 50. But um, So I thought, I thought the performance was full of merit. They went 151.7, which over the short course at Melton, that's in my opinion, a, sort of like a sub-50 mile around Menangle. Yeah. So it, it was a very good performance first up, working off the track, and um, he, was only, he was only going to be fitter. Uh, if Jack Law hadn't have kept rolling through the middle stages, I think Lockenvarat gets up outside him cheaply and sort of ends up bullying him and winning the race. But um, I guess, you know, all the plaudits go to Jack Law for the, for the tactical drive to keep rolling and never let Lock and Varad have a breather, and that was the difference. Yeah, it was a perfect drive, wasn't it? I've, I've, uh, I've deified it in the... Um... In the Herald Sun today, and uh, I'll be trying to get Jackie on actually to have a little bit of a chat. He, he can be a little bit, uh, it might be a little bit shy exactly how far I've gone in the Herald Sun today. I thought he's drive both on Lock and Varane and Captain Belisario, so uh, disparate in nature, were both outstanding. Catch a wave, thoughts there? Um, yeah, he's not the complete package yet. Um, he's obviously got loads of ability, but what we've seen since he's come back as a three-year-old, so not just on the weekend, but the, the short campaign he had earlier in the season as well, um, he's just still got a bit to learn. Um, earlier in the year, we saw that he was pulling quite hard. Uh, on the weekend, he, he sort of hung in a little bit up the straight. So he's, he's 
he's got plenty of ability, but once he gets up against horses like Leap to Fame and possibly Akuta if he comes over, you can't do things wrong like that if you're going to be winning derbies or Brutus Crowns as a late three-year-old. And from what we saw in, in Queensland during the winter, what Leap to Fame showed that he's capable of doing, he is the complete package as a three-year-old. He's very tractable, plus he's got as much ability as Catch a Wave. So if I was to compare the two at the moment, I'd lean towards Catch, uh, sorry, Leap to Fame purely because He's a much more complete racehorse, but if Andy can sort of sort catch a wave out and, and the horse can continue to learn with more racing, then he, there's a chance he still might end up the better horse down the track. But um, I think that's where they sit at the moment. As much ability as catch a wave. Yes. Lead the phone. Yep. You're saying as much abil- as much raw oh, natural ability as catch ability a wave. Catch a wave, but he's a more rounded product at the moment. Interesting. Um, right, let's go to. Uh, let's I believe so. Yeah. Oh, yeah the, what Leeds Fane did in that derby um, yeah. on on the big night in Queensland was amazing. I think uh, it's so it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Watching horses at age restricted level, and um, you even go back to Lock and Varan. I mean, he lost so many races as a three year old, but he was just massive. You could tell he was going to be. He was going to be the future freak of that generation. He had so many unlucky runs in big races, and I, I feel the same way about uh, about Catch a Wave. I just, but you are right. He's got a lot to learn before he's the complete package. And the thing is, you never know whether you're ever going to get the complete package with a racing animal. You can say, well, down the track he'll be here and he'll be there, but um, the horse has got to actually progress to that level as well. Race three, I think at Menangle we're having a squeeze out. What are we like there, big cat? Yeah, there's one that I've just backed uh, on an HOA basis here. It's a very open race. Um, but I'm siding with uh, number one here, Bluestone, for Davey Morris. Um, it's a horse that uh, originally came from Western Australia, but it's been in Sydney for, for quite a while now. And it's it hasn't run a place in its last five runs, but it's been screaming out for a barrier draw. It gets barrier one today. Its last five runs, it started from gate eight, eight, five, eight, seven. And from those draws at Menangle, it's not easy to lead. Um, down on the fence today, it's got the option whether it wants to hold the front or sit leaders back. It does have good gate speed, so I could probably hold the front if it wanted to. But uh, even if it took a sit, I'd be more than happy with that as well, as long as it's no further than leaders back. So they bet $6 this morning, so at around $6, uh, I thought it was a good each way. It's into 4.20 now, but it's sort of hard to see it missing a place from uh, in an eight-horse field from barrier one. So uh, on an each-way basis, I just thought it was a safe each-way bet. That's race three, number one, Bluestone. Race three, number one, Bluestone. And then we go to Albion Park up at the creek, a place that uh, Matty was enjoying himself not so long ago for race eight on their card at 4.17, final leg of the quaddy. And the favourite is the Grogfather. The Grogfather. It's been a slight drift that there's been money for uh, saving Major Percy, and also at much bigger odds, Swayze's been well spec. Twenty six down to twelve, down to eight dollars. What do you like in race eight at Albion Park? What did we pick this one out, Big Cat? Um, I think. Well, I'm hoping I've got the map right here because if I have, then I'm really keen on number ten, saving Major Percy for Pete McMullen and Donnie Smith. Number one, Golden Sand. Um, it it looks like it should be the leader. It, it has good gate speed, and it's the sort of horse that they like to just lead and run along flat out the whole way. And I think number two, the Grogfather, will want to run the gate and hold the breeze outside of number one. So I'm hoping if Shane Graham runs the gate on the Grogfather, 
then that sends numbers three, four, five, six, seven all back at the start. And therefore, saving Major Percy, who starts from gate two on the second row and follows through the Grogfather, I'm hoping can therefore lob one, one, following a genuine tempo where I think number one will end up folding and, and the Grogfather will go past Golden Sand. And then saving Major Percy will get last crack at them um, from the top of the straight. So it is a little bit map dependent here. But uh, it's been three seventy into three dollars, and I just thought if that map pans out the way I'm hoping it does, then it all of a sudden becomes the one to beat because it'll, uh, saving Major Percy will really thrive from sitting following speed off a genuine tempo, which he'll get today. So that's race eight, number ten, saving Major Percy. Race eight, number ten at Albion Park, saving Major Percy for leader Peter Pete McMullen. Uh, Pistol Pete, it's uh, three dollars at the moment. I'd better avoid disappointment now. I'll uh, before we let you go, Big Cat. Just one final question. I don't think you'd get involved because of the ridiculously expansive and uh, quite ludicrous percentages that they play future markets at. But have you had a nibble at something out wide for a, a Victoria Cup or a New Zealand Cup or an Inter Dominion series? I haven't, no. Um, there are a few companies that do have a few markets up. So Tab are currently up on, uh, let me check. They're up on the two Inter-Dominion races, the, the Pacers and the Trotters. Um, but if you, if you, for those that have a sports bet account, they're up on uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight races between now and the end of the year. Um so for those that, that do like the futures, there's plenty of options there. Uh, even things like the Victoria Derby, Victoria Cup, Lensmith Mile, even the Trotters Derby uh, at Maryborough. So I am not a futures player. Um, so I can't even really tip you anything there. Um, other than in the Trotters Inter Dominion, there's one horse that I'd love to see win it, which they're currently betting $11 fifth favourite by the name of Credit Master. See, this is the ridiculous nature of them. I just wish somebody, I, I applaud... <clears throat> Did you say it's sports bet that have got a um, uh, a proliferation of markets at the moment? Yeah, sports bet yeah. sports bet have about eight different eight different well, races up between now and the end of the year. That's a big tick. Well done to them for being on the ball, and they're, they're just uh, they're very good, aren't they? But um, what I will say is, it'd just be nice just to have those markets something reasonable because, you know, Credit Master can't be fifth favourite at $11 for an Inter-Dominion final at this point. And, and I, nobody in their right mind could have a bet on that. And it's frightening to think that that price is fifth favourite for an Inter-Dominion uh, trotters market. But um, if they just did it a little bit less, it'd be great promotion for the sport because I know people are having a little bit here and there, particularly trying to look for something right out wide and hope that, that it can uh, run well in one of these big races coming up. But, they really just don't give you an opportunity to – well, they don't give anybody an opportunity to have a good go. If you want to limit the bet, that's fine. Just say you can only have a certain amount on on uh, on a futures market, but at a uh, at a more reasonable price, I think, uh, would maybe build the anticipation for those races a little bit more. Great to chat with you, Big Cat. Well done to the pies. Uh, will you be going – you'll be going to the first week, won't you? Um, possibly. Um, tickets go on sale tomorrow. You've got a you've got you've got a week off. That's the main thing. You know, you can just worry about the see what I can do. You just worry about the trots for a week, which is uh, which would be pretty helpful. Um, well done, mate. Well done to the pies. Good luck today with your punting, and uh, we'll chat again next Tuesday. (laughs) I think he's dropped out. Au revoir to Matty Levin.
Uh, we'll be back in a moment. I'll have a look. Hopefully, they'll be uh, released the fields for Saturday night at Tabcorp Park. Mountain Nine races on the card. Have a quick squiz at them. Second hour, we'll get into some interviews here on the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Hey there, welcome back. Those who don't know, that's Phil Collins. Someone asking, uh, is the big cat in Antarctica? Hello, big cat. That's from Steve. There was, uh, it, it, that was the biggest delay that I can remember. Oh, yeah. When speaking with a big cat. What do you reckon, big cat? What was the question? Um, <laughs> but we got the tip. That's the main thing. Yes, we did. We did. We'll podcast that in a moment as well. And a few opinions, and I wouldn't mind, uh, to be honest, I don't think Andy Gath will fire back hard, but I, I wouldn't, I, I'm looking forward to broaching with him the idea that. Leap to Fame, who is very, 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 very good. Don't get me wrong. Leap to Fame's outstanding. Mm-hmm. But whether he's as good as uh, on natural ability, not not where they are right now maybe even, but on natural ability, whether he's as good as Catch a Wave is, um, I don't know. I believe probably Andy, at his, at his heart of hearts at least, would, would probably think that Catch a Wave might be the best young horse going around. But we'll broach that on Thursday. Right. Saturday night, Melton. Nine races to be staged. And here's my uh, early opinion. We've only got about three minutes old. As I always do, I'll rip through them. Uh, race one. Oh, Gilligan's Island's in there. Oh, dear. I'm leaving that one alone for the moment. Our Uncle Jim was good last week. That's a harder race. Um, box of Chocolates is going really well again for Ken Hartley. Second affair. The Matriarch Pace, first heat. Um, Jeez, Doug's babe second up from a break can can bounce back here. Nikki Nana is going well. Let it linger's got gate speed, but I'll go uh, I'll go Doug's babe to bounce back. There should be too good for its rivals. Alabar Vic Bread Championship final. Catch a wave's drawn outside the front row. Balance roll takeover win. Uh, he will be winning, but you'll have to take a dollar twenty two or something very similar again. Race four is the final leg of the early quarter. And uh, the winner there, Olavici versus Sheets of Pleasure, all cashed up. Good last up when a nephew of Sunoco, Kai Valley Chief, Wowie, we Well, we'll find out a little bit more about Olavici anyway. If he can um, if he can beat nephew of Sunoco and the like, then um, watch out. But I'm going with nephew of Sunoco as the one to beat there. First leg of the major quality, the dynamic print group pace, 78 to 87 affair. Ah, Rick Riley's drawn one. That's going to help a hell of a lot for it. Major Maestro, I thought, might need another run. Julie B. Nitro was luckless first up from a break. So extra's going well. Um, each way bet on Rick Riley there from the pole marking draw, I think, might be the way to go. Early doors. But I'll have a good look at it tonight and tomorrow. VHRC Caduceus, a Victoria Size Classic. Great race, this one. I'll be out there, by the way, with Luke Humphreys and Kirsten Graham on Trot's Vision this week, uh, this Saturday night. Going through the field there. Jaws of Lincoln draws a hell of a lot better here than last week. Kafaji and Beach Villa both up on the speed. Beach Villa only ever has one when he's led. Uh, brutally handsome to outside the second row. Interest freeze drawn gate seven. This will be interesting. 
I no, no, no commitment whatsoever. I've always struggled with commitment, and I'm struggling with it right now in that race. Race seven is the third leg of the quaddy, and Western Sonia Dor did he show a little bit of something? Only a little bit. Rock and roll dudes a star. Yambakian's a gun. This is a good race. Rock and roll doing Yambakian. Can Yambakian get across rock and roll do? Would rock and roll do lead? I think one of the two will probably win. Uh, second row, no, this is going to be a great battle of a couple of very exciting four-year-olds. Race eight is the second heat of the Amarillan Matriarch pace. Amarillan was the um, was a damn one of my favourites of all time, Village Gem, going back in the day from memory. Um, Art of Shengli, I was looking for a better draw than that one. I black booked it on, uh, on Monday's edition of Metrospective. Runaway Celebrity, gee, she only just won last start, didn't she? Um, she's the one to beat there, you would think, but... Wouldn't be taking any crazy short odds. And in the final race in the card, the second heat of the Tornado Valley Trot. And my used to be is going well. Oh, Fortuna should be able to cross at the start. Adele, we know, has got a lot of ability. Vacation Hill's a flying beginner. Um, well, that's a good race. Slightly leading towards Vacation Hill at this point because I think she can get across them at the start. And we know, we saw last time out, how effective she can be when she finds a top end in her races. Time for the final break of the first hour. little link up. We'll come back with some guests in the second hour of the um, of the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life. We've lost Jackie Law, unfortunately. He'll be at the trials, I, I bet. We'll see if we can find another time for him. But Rod Lakey will be joining us at least, and we'll find another, another lovely human to chat to in the next hour right here on SEN Track. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Nice to have your company today. Trots Life, the final hour coming up shortly. Cam Luke, Campbell Brown, they'll be in after one. Taking you through all the action, hopefully. A couple of winners. we got the bull today, as I said before. Sammy Highland's got police camp in race three. Second favourite at the Bull today. So make sure you jump on board and give Sammy a bit of support. It put, a, put up a great performance at the Bull a couple of months back now. As we know, Laura Lafferty writing it today as well. 0499 736 736. We've got a big, big day coming your way. Don't miss any of it at SEN underscore track on Twitter. For all the tips, that's my job. I will put them up for you each and every time. That's coming up from 1 o'clock. But before that, Jason Bonington's back with the second hour of Trot's Life on the other side of this on SEN Track. Stay with us. Welcome to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Join the conversation today and text us on 0499 736 736. Hello and welcome back to hour two of the education edition of Trots Life on a Tuesday here on SEN Track. And we're joined by a man who's been a great friend of SEN Track right from the very start, right from its inauguration, Michael Stanley. How are you, Mick? I'm going well, thanks, Bonus. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. You've got uh, you've got your machine going around on Saturday night. Rock and roll, do. Um, he is a special horse, and you picked it out very early. Andy Gath did the same with uh, with Catch a Wave. Tell us for a start, 
Now, we hadn't seen it on the track when, when you were already declaring this stuff. What is it that you see at home with a horse like Rock and Roll do before that they've done it on the track that you already know you've got a Learjet? I think it was just, um, you know, early on when he was doing things wrong, jumping out of his gear and, and you know, the light bent a little bit wayward as he is with his with his head and that, he would he was still always able to work with a horse like Barroom Banner who was going out and performing at the highest level as a two-year-old. So we just knew that um, even though he wasn't putting it together on the racetrack, the day that, you know, it all came together for him, we knew the talent was there. So, um, yeah, he's been a work in progress and, and we had to drive him um, to educate him there for, for quite a while, but, you know... We're paying dividends uh, now. What, what sort of uh, horse is he? Because probably the only – and we, uh, look, I think he'll, on face value he'll be able to lead on Saturday night, but the only um, maybe tiny little chink in his arm are probably the development of turning into the complete package of switching on straight away at the start of races, putting himself in the right spot, being as tractable as possible, all those things, though. It seems like with some horses that they won't come, but with him it feels like they will come. Yeah, definitely. I think I think the night in the Bonanza, you know, I I put my hand up and say that I just chased him too hard. I was just too focused on trying to keep Bondi lockdown out, and, and I chased him way too hard at the start. Now I know that when you're in those races, the horses should be tractable enough to be able to do that. But you know, I knew he wasn't at the time, but I still I still chase him out. So you know, I blame myself. For that one, because, um, you know, if you let him balance the first 20 metres, he can be quick enough to hold, as we saw that night when I had to use him twice um, to, to hold out uh, Cherokee Joe and, and then spring in his step had a crack at me as well, which I was holding and, and ended up letting him go because we were going silly. So if you do let him balance, he can get out quick enough. Um, yeah, and I probably was just too focused on on having to hold Bondi lockdown out that I that I overdone it and um, and then in the chariot of fire he actually went 100 metres and and um, he was just trying to get to a spot too quick so yeah we know that you, you know your normal horse shouldn't gallop in those occasions and and that's where you say the, the little chink in his armour um, but I, like you said if we can iron those things out he, he does show that he's got enough uh, natural speed that he, he can possess good early speed when he gets it right. You're pretty confident on Saturday night. I know he's uh, he's already trialled and trialled extremely well. He's got you in Bucky and drawn uh, outside the front row. We know, look, I don't know if you even want to put a number on it, but he seems like the kind of horse, if you really wanted him to over the 2,240 metres at Melton, he could probably go 54 or faster um, at any given time. So I'm guessing if you do find the front, you'd be very confident you'll be winning on Saturday night? I think if you find the front and you have quality horses like Yam Bucky and sit outside, if you run an even tempo, um, like you say, if you've got a horse that can run a, the last mile in 154 over a long trip, it makes it extremely hard for those horses that are tracking wider on the track. So, But in saying that, he's, he's, first, up, he's first up from a break, um, a short break as it is, and he trialled well last week. Um, and, and, you know, we've got bigger targets to come um, you know, in the back half of this year. So, 
I think the other thing Bonner's is um, with rock and roll do is he, he is very fast. Yeah, um, you yeah. Know, he doesn't have to be driven as a staying. He, he will he will peel off a, um, a 26 and a half uh, last quarter if he gets it easy as well. So it, it's not as if you have to run along and, and, and that. But I'm pretty confident if he got it steady, there, there's nothing that would out-sprint him either. So, look, we'll, we'll try and obviously we'll we'll run a genuine tempo because that's how he that's how he loves it. He he loves rolling along and and he does it easy. You know, he feels like he I said to Chris Alford, Oh sorry for going so hard at the trials because I didn't I didn't feel like I was going that quick. He never feels like he's going as quick as what he is. Um and I think um when you talk to anyone with the with the really good horses that's that's sort of how they feel. You've, you've absolutely thieved the next question because I was going to say, watching him even, I was uh, wondering what he felt like from behind because watching him even, and I think that's probably the reason, I mean, you talk about his speed, but probably from the periphery, people don't look at him as the super fast accelerating horse because he just looks like he's he's cruising, he stretches his neck out and he looks like he's just cruising and that must be how he feels from behind because that's probably, it's those horses sometimes I think from the outside, people think oh well you're not the quickest horse in the world, you're more of a rolling type but he's actually just, he covers the ground that well and he's such a natural athlete, that's how he looks Yeah, 100% right and um and, and he is, he, he's such a big beast of a horse. He's a powerful horse. He's got a long stride. And, yeah, he, he, and like I said, he, he does love rolling along. He, he, he is more comfortable within himself. You'll see, you'll see him when he gets out of the gate. You'll get his head awkward still a little bit the first 50 or 100 metres. Then when he gets working into his rhythm and he's striding along, he, he holds his head really well. And, and he is a lot more comfortable when he's in that, that nice big long stride of his, yeah. Now, I know you're busy. I'll let you go in just a moment. But just one final question. I've expressed my frustration and disappointment a number of times over the scheduling at the end of the year because I'd love to see more of the more of the really exciting, glamour, headline four-year-olds going into the minion. I'm assuming, without having heard anything you've said of recent times, that you'll take a more traditional path. Is it? Is it actually... If you are going that way, is it frustrating for you as well? Would you like to go into it, into Dominion? Are you possibly thinking about it? Or do you like the idea of, okay, we can cover off some more four-year-old features at the end of this season and then set him for the big races next time around? You know what, Bonners? We are going to target the, the into Dominion. You know, these horses... These horses now... You give it another week, and and they're actually turning five. I know they're still four to yeah. the end of the year with the season change, but you you go traditionally in the past. These horses are turning five. This is their prime time to be targeted in and into Dominion. Um, as far as juvenile races, we've got the Sky Stakes, which is in um, the last week of December. Uh, the Breeders' Crown for four-year-olds is is only a 50k race bonus. It's it's not a hundred k, um, hundred and fifty. Race, yeah. so they really only have the the size stakes at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, we're we're going to we're going to target the the Inter Dominion Victoria Cup that path. Um, you know, going back on the old traditional uh, path as a five year old, as which they would have been. Um, and then obviously it's in it's in Melbourne, so we're not we're not travelling to Sydney, Queensland, New Zealand to to, to take part in it. So. Um, you know, it's it's a good time to 
to get them into a series like that and season season them for the next three or four years of hopefully Grand Circuit racing if if they are. Can take the next step. I absolutely love to hear you say that. I'm not sure that everyone with a good four-year-old will go the same path as you, but I wish just about everybody did. I am frustrated. I know that the the crown is only a fifty thousand dollar race and all the rest of it, but I am frustrated that you, 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 trainers and owners uh, and breeders don't get an opportunity to tackle all the races rather than have to pick and choose. But I'm extremely happy to hear that the fact that you're you're going to the Inter Dominion, and as we know. You don't go to the Inter Dominion this year. You take an easier path, and you can't be guaranteed of having a horse next year. I mean, he seems like a sound animal, but you never know what's going to happen with horses, do you? Yeah, that, that's a hundred percent right. And look, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm an advocate for moving the calendar year and and the two and three year old races, particularly to where they have for the horses to furnish. But for four year olds. If we had the size stakes in in the old time slot, they would have already been through the size stakes, yeah. and then they'd be able to get ready for these races, which they have in the past. So yeah, it does make it a bit awkward for the four-year-olds. But in, in saying that, our our two and three-year-olds, it does give them time to mature and furnish as horses as well. So we probably can't have the best of uh, every world, can we? But um, yeah, like you said, I, you know, we went through it firsthand with Rackham Up Tiger Pie. You know, he was in a purple patch as a as a four year old running in the in the uh, Ballarat Cup and, and really looked like he could have been an open grade performer and then he really he never came back the next year. So sometimes um you you have to uh you have to make hay while the the, the sun shines they say when, when a horse is in form. Well he's uh he's a very, 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 very good horse. I'm excited to hear that he'll be targeting the Inter Dominion and the Victoria Cup. We wish you the best of luck Saturday night. Thanks for chatting with us, Mick. He's gone. Um, maybe something yeah. said. Uh, yeah. But yeah. great to have a chat with Michael Stanley, and uh, he was—he's uh, a very close mate with Josh Jenkins, as we know. And I think had a few words to say when Josh came out and um, and spoke so eloquently around the camp, as we'll call it. Um, and he's a—he's a very good speaker. He's a smart guy, Mick. And you know what? If anyone was going to target the Inter Dominion with a four-year-old, I've discussed this so much on the show, but mix the man because I think that's – it's a change of thinking. Yes. So if you're cast into this situation where you've got to pick and choose, I think there'll be an older mentality of, no, if there's age-restricted races to target and there's a bit of money on, you go there. You don't go to an Inter Dominion. You go there because that's what we've always done and what we'll – you know, what we've always done is what we'll always do. But – uh Guys like Matty Craven and um, probably the Lara J Farm team and, um, and Mick Stanley and a few others, a few of the younger brigade, probably more willing to say, no, nah, look, throw caution to the wind. This is a big opportunity. He's flying. Mm. Uh, we might not have him at this level. We might, but we might not have him at this level in 12 months' time. Let's go for the big, the big race series and, um, and go for the big spoils. All right, we'll go for another break. We'll come back. We might talk about a little gift. When we come back, that um, you're considering? No, not stall. Um, unless you maybe you can buy stall. You seem to have <laughs> no, a fair bit of money. No, um, no, don't be don't be going down that path now. When we come back, and then uh, at twelve thirty, we're going to have Rod Lakey <laughs> on the line to talk about Lock and Varad after his first up run since February in the My Lightning Blue Free for All last Saturday night. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington.
more One Republic? Uh, uh, yeah, Alesso and I think One Republic mixture. A uh, little text from Mick Stanley. I did say bye, lol. Sorry, mate. Um, yeah, the, the system might be having a little bit of a glitch at the moment, so we'll see if we can get that fixed. But slight delays on these calls. Just got. He just pulled up. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying this. He's pulled up at the Warrnambool Thoroughbreds. Oh. Got one in the second. Nice. Sammy Holland's got one in the second. Because I know third. it'll be, yeah. yeah. For Jen. There you go. There you go. Damien Thornton to... Oh. Sammy Holland's got police camp in the third as well, the second fave. Going over the jumps. I'm just going to find out if we can back it. <laughs> he's uh, he's on debut. Debutant on debut, is he? He's a, debutant, he's a, rookie, on, he's a rookie on debut, yeah. <laughs> he's $13. By Vancouver, ask, out of, ask me how I know. How do you know? I'm just born that way, I think. I just, <laughs> yeah, just sort of just sort of new stuff from, uh, I think I've been here before, yeah. maybe. Big um, brain. Big brain. Look at the big brain on bread. You know what that movie's at? What the... No, I don't. Look at the big brain on bread. No. I'm... 1994. No, I was, I was just a little tacker, wasn't I? I yeah, was you've seen Shawshank Redemption. It's all, you've seen oh, Forrest Gump. They both so came long. out in 94. I haven't seen them for so long. It's out of this film, Pulp Fiction. Oh, no, that one. Now, that's one I have only Look seen bits and pieces of. Look at the big brain on bread. Um, bits and pieces of it. Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta yes. and uh, Harvey Cut. Pal. Mm. Right. Um, are we allowed to discuss this? Are you, are you um, yeah, if you are want. Are you thinking to. about going out and getting a little gift for your um Well it seems it seems fionky. like seems like every fionky. <laughs> seems like every time I, I tell you that I'm uh, I'm going to buy a gift, I tell you the, the most expensive ones, don't I? No, look, we've discussed for some time. You don't buy your car. No. We've discussed for some time we want a little puppy. Mm-hmm. Little puppy, or your puppy dog, um, a little golden retriever. That would be that would be our, our preference. And Sammy is very uh, is very keen as well. Don't don't um, get me wrong, but is is often coming out. So she she's blaming me now. She said, "Well, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have asked me to marry you if you wanted to get a puppy straight away, because now we've got to save for a wedding." Fair point. So again, well, that's, one um, one against me. Oh, right. Yeah, would you like the wedding or the dog? Both. Um, and then she's like, well, you shouldn't have helped buy a house, you know, for if we, I was like, well, we needed the house to house the dog. All right. I'm going to ask so you. So she's coming yeah, up with right. excuses to what? try and push it back, push it back. We will get one. We will get one. We will get one. So I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to do some research. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, I've messaged a couple of people just to see mm-hmm. on, you know. You've been on the Golden Retriever forums. Well, yep. no, I asked a friend where he bought, uh, he recently bought a <laughs> Golden Retriever. Yeah. No, he recently bought a Golden Retriever. I asked him where. He said to look on Gumtree. It's reliable enough and just suss out people. And I'm just getting, you know, a little bit of a background for it. So I might just surprise Sammy one day with a uh, with a Golden Retriever. Now, it's her birthday on Friday. That's too, that's too quick. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just in the early stages of. Have a, you thought about the fact? Have you uh, look? I'm, I'm just telling you as an old wise hand, okay, right? Um, have you thought about the idea that you're really excited about the surprise, but then the puppy rolls in and the so-called expenditure, and all of a sudden the surprise turns into a a poo show for you, a dumpster fire. Well, I mean that's where she's not excited. She is excited, but she's not excited. You still cop hate, even though you've done something you believe to be generous and kind. No, no, no. So uh, I, my theory is, my theory is that. Is a theory? And she loves, she adores dogs, like loves dogs. My theory is, I roll up with a golden retriever, put it in her face, and say, "All right, 
you can you can take this back if you want. Yeah. And then her looking in the eyes of the dog, she'll go, no, why would I do We that? don't know what will happen to this dog yeah. if you take it back. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, um, look, I'm just in the early stages of, of looking into it. I just think, and a lot of friends, a lot of her friends at the wedding we were at on the weekend, I was speaking to them about how we want to get a dog. And, and I said, she's just, she's stalling a little bit. And they said, just buy one. I just, just come and surprise her. Tell me this, because this isn't really delving into your personal finances. What are we looking at for a purebred golden retriever pup? Yeah, I've just asked that um, on of one lady, and and she said about three and a half thousand dollars. Yeah, so it's people it's, are absolutely kidding themselves. It's it, but look, it's a lifetime investment. They are beautiful dogs. Now I'm just trying to work, and this is why I'm saying I'm in the early stages. Three and a half. This could be this large. could be a couple of months. Of research and and you know it might not be till the end of the year. We're we targeting sort of... him at major races or not? Yeah, well, yeah, well, you never know. He might be at he might be at Sandown Park yeah. on a on a Sunday night. But look, as I said, early stages. Early stages yeah. I'm just looking into it. It is a lot of money. I've got you know a lot of expenses coming up. We've got the you know engagement party, weddings, all that sort of stuff that is coming up. So we've got to uh, we've got to be mindful of that as well. All I'm going to say is this, is, um, and this is with no disrespect to my beautiful, the first dog that I owned, uh, mm-hmm. lady that, uh, a purebred Dalmatian. Okay. In my experience, um, mutts, crossbreeds, mm-hmm. with some working dog um, influence in them, or sometimes working dog, working dog, uh, as long as it's not a Kelpie that barks all night, mm-hmm. uh, are the smartest, best dogs. Really? So I wouldn't be part, personally. Yeah. I know you want to go on retriever. It's yeah. beautiful. It's it's it's, it's almost um, my initial Stefford wife stuff. Yeah, my my first choice because uh, I I have one at my parents' house. Mm. My mum uh, owns a border collie. They are beautiful animals. Of course, you'd come from border collie territory. No, wouldn't you? I love border collies. They're the, the so most elite, beautiful. The most elite dog. They're just so beautiful, Bon. They are lovely. You can't look at a border collie and 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 get angry. You can't be angry looking at a border collie. There's never been a cuter, or, yeah. or a golden retriever in my opinion. Never been a cuter dog than my uh, blue healer corgi cross. <laughs> so cute. I bet. I, I reckon I could find a cuter dog. I'm, I'm guarantee it is impossible. <laughs> well, in your mind, and it's arguably the most athletic dog yeah. of all time. So at could have dunked. Blue healer, could have easily have dunked. Corgi cross. Yep. Corgis are tiny, and blue healer is a big dog. I know. I, I, I'm glad I didn't have to watch the, yeah. the experience that got yeah. it got it going because the blue healers, well, corgi <laughs> was under sufferance. So the cor- it's, it was a corgi shape. Yes. With a long body and little little legs, huge ears. Yeah. And the colouring of a blue healer. Right. And it just was, and just a ball of energy. Yeah. Here we go. Here's a good message from uh, Swanee. 100% suss them out on Gumtree. There are a lot of puppy farms on these sites, and that is no good. Go to a rescue shelter. 6K for my choc lab where I got him. Good bloodlines. Same as horse pedigree, Swanee. So, uh, see, I was I was worried. I wasn't sure early stages that, you know, whether I look on Gumtree. But a lot of people saying that Gumtree might be good because a lot of them are, are sort of family pets that have that they've breeded. And they're now or just trying bred, to... Yeah. Bred. Sorry, breeded, yeah. Bred. They, and they're just obviously trying to sell off the... the the progeny. So I'll have a look on Gumtree. I'm going to suss it out, certainly. I'm not I'll going to make a rash decision. I'll be honest with you. The one thing I don't get about the um, the economics of all this is mm-hmm. the, the very, very, very sad, tragic truth is that a lot of dogs don't make it. I know. And that, that breaks my heart. And yet there's $3,500 for, for dogs. So know, that, that, breaks my heart. The, 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 yeah. 
That doesn't work for me. Like, so, I'm just thinking, that's crazy. I want to throw it out in the last half hour to our listeners. 0499-736-736. Swanee and, and whoever else is listening, what are we What are we looking for on Gumtree? Obviously, you know, these puppy farms. How do we, how do we find out if they are from these puppy farms? Do we want family dogs that have... You know, come from a good home. What What are we looking for here? Which because, of these farms are reputable that you know? Yes, of? yes. Because I'm, I'm. You know, I want to, I want a, a well looked after dog and and done the right way and um one that has been done humanely as well. Because uh, I am a big, big animal lover myself. So uh, I want the right dog coming from the right. Both place. the little dog that uh, that little dog Emma likes to call Plippet, um, was you could tell things hadn't gone 100 percent right really early. We only got a really young, but she was frightened. And the uh, the big cat that we've got at home now, he was a Maddie rescue Leopard. cat. Maddie Leopard at home. Yeah, he's um, he's still. Uh, you can tell there's. It's like kids that haven't been yeah. treated a hundred percent right in the in the first little bit. Um, that breaks my heart. And from Darren Carroll on the tweet, Jack Irish, a great Aussie series starring Guy Pearce, bit of racing flavour added, and a good watch. Oh yeah, okay. I haven't heard. I haven't. I must say, I haven't heard of it. No, I've, I've, for years, we'll go to the news in a second, but for years I've said I'm going to write a novel, like I'll write a novel at some point. And, uh, and I re- really wouldn't want to do a racing or a harness mm. racing novel, but everyone tells me, well, that's what you know. So you, you One, one I need that. to give you, you and I, when, uh, when we were doing the award-winning ramble, would always talk about um, Netflix shows that we like. You, I've got a pearl for you. You are a bit like me. You like sport docos. You might have already seen this one. I've got a good one for you. I bet, it's, I bet it's the same. Untold story, Manti Teo. Yes, the girlfriend that yeah, didn't exist. The girlfriend that didn't exist. Let's talk is about that. that. Is maybe. that the one? Is yes, that the one? Yes, we don't yes, want to give yes, too much yes, away yes, though. Yes, at the same yes. time, let's talk. We'll, we'll go to the news. Come back. Talk to Rod Lakey. I can't believe that was the exact same one. Yeah, I, I knew <laughs> straight away. Yeah. Straight away, it is a belter. It is a really remarkable story. We'll talk about that at the yeah, back okay. end. Right. Uh, hashtag yeah, spoiler catfish. Alert. All right, spoiler we'll, alert. we'll be back soon. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Straight like a diamond. Welcome back to Trots Life. Um, we just had a little uh, a little break out into the uh, happy hour or the, uh, f- the, the show formerly known as the Ramble. One before we get to, to Rod, uh, yep. this is a good point, and this is what I'm I'm trying to be careful of. All right. He said, "Don't want to temper the enthusiasm, but be on the lookout for scammers. They run rife on Gumtree." So that was what that was my early, you know. I just this is why I'm just having a look around. Are they are those scammers dealing in in the uh, in, in the, the, the canine world though? Well, they're, it's funny. Probably everywhere. Aren't they? One of my one of my. Um, Premiership teammates, not to digress too much, and we will get to Rod in a sec. Uh, Andrew Leoncelli fell in, fell foul of that, who played for the Demons in 2000. Yeah, met him a few times. The Mighty Crocodiles in 2019 when we won the flag. Mm. Um, he fell foul of that, I, I believe, as well. Sent thousands of dollars to someone on uh, on Gumtree for a puppy. Oh. And then the listing was deleted straight away. Right. So you do have to be careful. So I'm just Hopefully that hasn't happened to Rod Lakey, but no. um, we, won't, we might not delve into that. Rod, how are you, mate? I'm good, Jace. How are you, mate? Very well, mate. There's been a uh, there's been a lot of conjecture, some weird stuff, weird wild stuff, in my opinion. Following Artie's uh, return to racing on Saturday night at Melton, um, I would be staggered, stunned. I'll pass out if you were anything other than extremely pleased with what he did. Yeah, I agree. I didn't know there was any conjecture, so uh, I thought it was 
Um, I only wanted to see him improve off his trial. That's all you can ask of them They've, uh, to, to keep on improving. And I thought he, he did that, um, you know, he did that well and uh, did all the work and battled on and fought and, and uh, showed some tenacity. And I, I thought it was a great first up run. I, I was not disappointed at all. I think in the lead up to it, I, I'd written an article for the paper where uh, it doesn't matter what sport it is. We just we tend to, for our own reasons, expect um, you know impossible, implausible things from our champions. And Lock and Varart is, I think, universally accepted as a champion. And so, I don't know. I think some people got into their heads that Lock and Varart could just come out and win regardless of any circumstance. But uh, I mean, you've been around far too long to, to know to, to sort of get caught up in that sort of stuff. As far as I'm concerned, there's very few horses at their absolute fittest in Australasia that could go down by three metres in one fifty one seven first up from a break drawn outside the second row. So I think for me, it's less about the performance. I thought the performance was terrific, but how he came through it. Yeah, yeah. No, I... I totally agree with what you're saying. I think, um, you know, when he drew 11 over a mile, any any horse is beatable. Um, the, to answer your question, the great thing about it was he, he blew up blew up a lot over the back and uh, he, he blew for quite a while after the race, which, which I, I take from that, that there's um, some improvements he had. Um, so that's exciting. Uh, he pulled up great he's as bright as a button um and i would uh, i would expect that you know he'd take some improvement from from that run so in terms of managing a horse like lock and vara what do we do because the only the thing about great great horses like him and you could see it in the last 100 meters on saturday night is the will to win means that they will they'll push through won't they where other horses will say that's enough I'm hurting. I'm tired. Great horses don't do that, and they push themselves so hard. So does does that change the routine when you're at home with a horse like Artie? Um, it is it, it is about managing a a good horse. Um, you know, Dave would obviously have far more experience of this than than I ever would. But uh, oh, he had two days off after that run, and. Um, you just monitor them, you know, how they're eating and how they're, how they're acting uh, around the stables compared to what's normal for them. And um, you're right, they, it, was, it was amazing to see him, uh, like, fight back. With, it, it, it looked like when Tango Tara sort of loomed outside him that he, he just gritted the teeth and uh, fought on and tried to run second. And when they're doing that, they're, they're uh, you know, putting... Putting their everything they've got into it, and uh, I guess when they do that, like you say, they you got to be careful, but that uh, of how they pull up. But you know, all the signs are good. I'm I'm, I'm sure he tried his very hardest, but judging by how he pulled up after it, blowing wise, that he's uh, as bright as a button, and I I expect him to. Um, his next start to improve again. And how do we, like, in terms of the injuries that he's had and all the rest of it and, and soundness, I, that's just managed in a very typical way, even though he's a champion, you, you just look him over every now and then um, and, and and hope for the best because nobody, I don't think anybody can 100, like, same with a doctor and a human, 
No, like I don't think any vet can 100% yep. guarantee you that he's going to stand up to this um, brutal racing that he's going to cop over the next few months or over the next couple of years even. But the signs are that he that he that he is sounded and everything is where it should be at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could with a good horse like this, you could drive yourself crazy just sort of yeah looking at every little thing and and wondering wondering if he's okay. But but really, um, to keep your sanity, all you can do is go out there each day and um, try and work out whether they're the same as they were the day before or a week before and a month before and that there's no changes. And so far, um, that's exactly the way he is. He's, he goes out there every day. He's, he's 100% sound. There's no indications of anything being wrong. So uh, try, not to, try not to think about it, really, and uh, try not let it um, take away from the, uh, you know, the, the experience that he's locking bar out going to the races and doing, doing what he does. Yeah, he's um, he, he's just he's such an amazingly special horse, and uh, we saw Nikita Ross who uh, put up the top five wins from Lock and Barat, and I couldn't agree more that Hunter Cup win where all the conjecture was that he wouldn't even make it to the race and all the rest, and then he turns up and does what he does. Now uh, Saturday night going up to Sydney Tabcorp Park, Manangle Captain Hammerhead. Um, you're taking on a couple of potential freaks. This is, this is an amazingly strong race, but I'm assuming you've got a, a pretty pretty good opinion of him. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a very nice horse, no doubt about that. Um, the the draw Saturday night doesn't do him any favours. He's drawn eight. He, he'd need some uh, luck from there, but uh, you know, that goes goes without saying in most big races. So, but he's he's a special animal, um, and hopefully he he keeps on improving. If he keeps improving, then then he'll be uh, one of the best. And but as it, as it is, he's yeah he's he's pretty he's pretty talented. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's beautifully, beautifully bred to out of Roger's passion. I think that's the intrude breed, maybe or um, yeah, blue blood, purple. A uh, couple of runners in the next couple of days. Can you give us another winnable Viking? Go close. Uh, Vikings drawn one. Um, I think that's over the longer journey by memory. Yes. Um, oh, he, he he's a he's a good sit and sprinter. Uh, if it was over the mile, I'd be more confident. Um, can do. He's a he's a little bit of a hothead, um, so can do. Not gallop or anything like that, but just gets himself all worked up. Uh, from one, I'd expect him to run a place. And before I let you go, and I don't know if you've planned it out, uh, you know, to a T just yet, but I imagine with it being so close, it wouldn't be far away. What does the path look like for Artie between now, between here and the Vic Cup? Um, yep. So he's gonna he's gonna not go to Melton this Saturday. So um, after his run, he's he's gonna have a week off. He'll probably go for there's a free for all there um, the following Saturday. Yep. Um, and then I think it's the following Saturday after that. It's the Caduceus Classic. I think that's right. September the tenth, something like that. And um, he'll he'll uh, all going well go to that. Beautiful. So that's uh, you know. Based on his last run, yeah, I think it will work out really beautifully. Um, he's based on his last run. You know, he'll he'll have those two weeks off. He'll be fitter for the experience. He'll go around in a, uh, I think it's a twenty-two forty meter race, and then be should be cherry ripe for the Caduceus Classic.
I think by that date, by September 3, we'll all know exactly where we stand. Right now, things look outstanding, though, and um, and we need horses like Lock and Barra racing and racing well. But I think by then, uh, Rob, we'll all know exactly uh, where we are because we're only, we'll only be a month away from the Victoria Cup. And by then, knowing Lock and Barra, he'll, he'll be peaking. And uh, if we see... Well, Oregon we saw pretty close to the real Lock and Barra on Saturday night, but if he's improved to that date, I reckon we'll... Um, We'll know whether to put a smile on our dolls or not. Yeah, and if we can snag a drawer and just make life a little bit easier for him rather than him having to go round fields and sit outside him every, all the time, that would uh, probably be nice for him too. Can't help you with that, sorry, Rod, but I wish you all the best. Um, thanks for chatting with us, mate. It's been uh, it's been fun catching up on Lock and Varart, <laughs> and hopefully that Captain Hammerhead goes well in Sydney on Saturday night. Appreciate your time. No worries. Thank you, Joe Bond. There he is, Rod Lakey. He's the man at the moment looking after Lock and Vara. We're going to go to another break now. And when we return, by the way, that interview was brought to you by Garrard Source and the best stock at the lowest prices. We'll be back very soon on the Tuesday edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track. You're listening to Tuesday Trot's Life with Jason Bonington. Tracy Chapman uh, remix there. Matty Leopard's favourite song, isn't it? Is this the one he hates? Uh, somebody did. Might have been Ben, ben Cray. Ben Cray maybe hated it, yeah. Back in the day. Uh, back in the Cray day. Cray day. Been watching a bit of... Uh, so we, we should discuss this now. Okay, so someone someone has said, boys, I want to watch that untold story, so I'll be tuned... Oh, that was Matty O, so he's tuned out. So, spoiler alert... Yes. We don't want to know about the Manti Teo story, but we want to give a little bit the of The new insight. untold documentary on Netflix. A little bit of insight about it. It's a great, great doco. Amazing. Like, phenomenal. And everyone in America would have known the story. So, in and short, without giving too much away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Excellent college footballer. He won the Heisman Trophy, which... No, he didn't. He didn't. No, he sorry, was, he was second. He was, he was second. Johnny, Johnny he was Manziel, one of the top three. Johnny Manziel won that Heisman Trophy. He would have been... I think he was... He would have been the first defensive player ever to win the Heisman, or maybe even the first to get... Second. Yeah, but there was a lot of conjecture about whether he was legitimately in the Heisman Trophy conversation as well. Or whether this other, this event. event. Yeah, as I said, we're not going to give too much away, Bonners, whether this event contributed to that and then people um, worked out if if he had any involvement in what happened to him as well. So it's a fantastic dogger. And you said that you love these stories because it's not mainstream in Australia. Everyone would have known about it, yeah, in America. unless, Unless you're a, unless you're really... Like for me, an NFL fan, or for you, a, a sports fan who searches these out, you're not really going to hear about it here in Australia. But it's a fantastic story. He was a great defensive player. He went. He was due to go in the first round of the draft. Yeah, and they reckon that this might have pushed him back a little bit. To me, draft, oh so. yeah. To to me though, when I'm watching sports docker, sport to me is sports. Sport is really the only thing I don't get emotional about anything in life virtually anymore. But sport can get me like. When you're watching a, a do- or a, a great contest like we saw on Sunday, or uh, between Carlton and Collingwood, or you, you're watching a sports talk, and you see like a, a moment that just brings everybody together, it is an amazing, amazing thing. Hey, Campbell Brown's just texted me. He's literally sitting behind us. Uh, race one, it's going number three. He's uh, he's tipping early days here at uh, at Scone. So. Brandon's like a bloke you'd be sitting in the same lounge room as him and he, and he, he wouldn't actually talk. He'd just text you the message when he'd just say, could you change your channel, please? 
<laughs> could you chuck it over? Could so, you chuck it over to racing.com? He's asked me to tweet it. Bomb. Tweet it out at SCN underscore track race one number three, which is cool, which is about to jump actually. So I better just get that. We'll up. keep an eye on that. We've got to go for a break at a moment because we're going to come back and have a quick chat with Andy Gath. Um, and uh, Andy's a big Seinfeld lover, and I've been I've been going back recently, and it's my favourite show of all time. And um, I've been watching a lot of Seinfeld, and there's an episode there where they go and help a lot of old people. And uh, it's the Goiter episode where she says uh, he used to dip his bald head in oil and rub it all over my body. Hopefully that'll get Andy smiling before he joins us straight after this break. You're listening to Tuesday Trots Life with Jason Bonington. Well... That was unexpected. A little bit of winter wonderland for you in the middle of August. We've only got about four and a half minutes left. But we've got Andy Gath on the line. Andy, I have been going back down the rabbit hole for the first time in years. That is uh, an underrated episode, is it not? The one that I just referenced before the break? I don't know. What was it? It was the Mahatma Sorry, episode. The old man, she said, she's, she's got the goiter. And she says, oh, oh, yeah. he dipped his bald head in oil and rubbed it all over my body. That one. Yeah, no, nah, it was a good one. Absolute pearler. What is your favourite of all time before I get stuck in Catch a Wave? My favourite? Seinfeld episode. Uh, I, don't know. I just love Soup Nazi as a character. So <laughs> I'll go with that one. Uh, the opposite for me. Um, right, Catch a Wave quickly before we um, get stuck into the runners on Saturday night. We heard from Kate very eloquently talk about um, the gear malfunction that may have caused some issues. Anything else to report? Uh not really. Obviously, um, I'm fairly sure and pretty confident that it cost him from winning the race. Uh, if you watch his only other defeat at Geelong when he raced an open bridle, you sort of see he's sort of done the same thing, sort of duck in and wouldn't sort of go straight. And I saw it broken a lot from home and I was pretty concerned then that it, uh, he might have a bit of an issue. Um, but yeah, but that's racing. You move on. Uh, it be better for the run. Uh, we've gone from Barrier 8 to Barrier 7 this week, so a little bit different for him. But yeah, I would expect that... Um, you know, we're just going to go with the full block eyes this time, and so there won't be any gear malfunctions, and won't be any excuses. It was a it was a weird one watching, just because he's he's actually gone phenomenally enormous, and yet he looked like he was just going to cruise on by before um before his late indiscretion. So it was it was it was a bit of a weird one. You, can't, you couldn't have been disappointed at him. He's he's gone massive. That last little bit no. of the race was just weird. Yeah, it was. And again, that's the reason why he races in block eyes. And um, uh, he does get a little bit keen early and we sort of have the pull downs. And so at the start, he just sort of doesn't have them. And, you know, if the race gets on, Kate can sort of pull them down. But again, um, you know, first time we've used them and they snap. So uh, not very good there from the manufacturer, but that happens. Could have been worse. Could have been a Derby or a Breeders' Crown or a Vic Breed race. But, um, you know, wasn't great for the punters. It took a dollar twenty, I suppose. But the winner still went terrific. Uh, owned by Richard and Pauline as well. So, um, yeah, if you're going to get beat, you might as well get beat by your own horse, I'd say. All right. Now, very quickly, um, catch a wave. Well, yes, he, he will be winning this week. As long as everything stays in place. Yeah, again, um, he did sort of, um, you know, he ran really good times out of days. The run did take a little bit out of him. Um, took him a couple of days probably to sort of bounce back, but he seems really good and I think he'd be better for the run again. So, um, yeah, we expect that he'd you know, be able to get the job done. Uh, Paul, the other leg, your best bet on burning questions, Tommy boy. He um, he ran a time they don't normally run in the, one of those last races at Melton, so he can he can go and win the first again potentially. Although there's a little bit of gate speed drawn around you, which might be an issue. 
Yeah, he, he did leave the gate okay yesterday. Um, admittedly, he got uh, Jack handed up on his horse, Kavik. But he, did, you know, he, his first try to made us was quite quick. So um, Gilligan's Island gets out pretty quick. Um, yeah, you'll probably be tipping it on top. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's a, no. <laughs> if he can sort of get past the the one horse who performed pretty well in his race um, on Saturday night and, and find the pegs either be in front or fence behind a leader, it'd be pretty hard to beat again, I'd say. That was a bit of a rude swipe. Um, right. Now, in, in a word, can Yam Bucky and beat Rock and Roll Do? Is that a yes or a no? Um, yeah, they're both very good horses. Um, well, if you can cross him at the start, he probably can. Well, I don't think you can sit outside him and beat him. Well, we talked about that once. Um, and the final one down there, Vacation Hill looks a great chance of winning again. Uh, <laughs> sitting on the fence, Vacation Hill looks a great chance of winning again because just looking at that front line, she, well, it's only a front line and with her gate speed, um, and it'd be nice to win a heat of the Tornado Valley Trot. We're giving a yes to Vacation Hill? Yeah, it would. And, you know, if she does get through, she's probably going to draw the back line in the final and... Evidence probably suggests her best win. Yes, because I think she'll be in front and that's where she tends to win. That's a couple of yeses and maybe a no and um, a soup Nazi. Well done, Andy. Thanks for joining us, mate. That's a wind-up for Trot's Life for Tuesday. Cam Brown is so desperate to get in here. He's been eating for the last 45 minutes or so, so he'll be ready and primed to go, Cam Luke, as well. They'll find you winners throughout the course of the day. And apparently Mick Stanley's one in the second at Warnable Can't beat the favourite, but they're hoping he can keep up and run second. That's the toppy. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Night-night.